What is wisdom? What does that word even mean? How can we implement wisdom in our everyday lives? Psychiatrist and executive coach Dr. Sunil invites you to join him on a transformational and sacred quest to experience meaning, purpose, and fun in both your life and work. These podcasts will not only empower you to wisely navigate through a confusing world, but to grow in body, mind, and spirit, which will ultimately have us Dancing with Wisdom. Hello, and welcome to the Dancing with Wisdom podcast with me, Snora Hager. And it's great to have our guest, Mark Green, with us. Mark, so good to have you again. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me back. Doesn't happen often. (laughs) That's right. We've got you back. Well, if you missed the last episode with Mark, we basically delved into Mark's uh, history uh, as uh, growing up Jewish and joyous, becoming an advertising executive, and then his metamorphosis (laughs) into, into the world of whole life integration. Because wisdom is about bringing all of life under the authority of God, but doing that in a way that brings meaning, purpose, and fun to you. And we talked about those four aspects of wisdom, being, relating, doing, and leaving. And in this podcast and and the one after this as well, we're going to just integrate what does it mean to bring work into our lives in a way that really, as it were, brings out all who who God is and, and what he has for our lives. Now, Mark is very passionate about that, and he's written a book called Thank God It's Monday, Flourishing in Your Workplace. Now, notice it's not Thank God It's Friday. You know, most people, I think, you hear that on Fridays is, oh, good, thank God it's Friday, and then I've got the weekend, and I can put my feet up. Work is something that I have to endure from Monday to Friday so that I can actually then start the real living. But, Mark, I think one of the key concepts you want to really get across to us is that God is interested in every area of our lives and that what we do Monday to Friday in our work lives really matters. Tell us more about that. Well, I mean, when you think about all the time that we do spend doing work, if it's not significant, in a sense, other than, if you like, making money, what's going on there? Yeah. And um, so what you begin to look at is what's the purpose of work? Why have we been given this gift in the first place? What's its intention? Then you begin to think, well, work is serving other people. It's creating mm. services, products, cleaning things up, ordering things, bringing joy, bringing beauty to others. So at its element, work is the way that we create a society. Without yeah. work, we don't have walls, we don't have roofs, we don't have roads, we don't have cars, we don't necessarily have um, kiwi yogurt. I mean, you know, yes. there's all kinds of things we don't get without, without other people serving us in that way, using their gifts and their skills to create a society. So work actually at one level, just at its most basic level, is the way that we serve one another to create a good world. Now, whether the world turns out to be good or not is is a different question. And whether all the ways that some of us are required to work is healthy for us is also a question. But at its root, if you like, the energy that we give, the opportunity that we have to use our skills or develop our skills and use them for others, that for many people is is a joy. Whether it's a physical strength or a physical skill or it's a mental ability, whatever it might be, actually, we're built to use those gifts and some of them just, you know, the joy flows from us when we do. Now, clearly not everybody is in a job where their joy flows all the time because they're doing something they really love. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the work isn't significant in itself or doesn't have tremendously positive impacts 
on other people. Yeah, I'm sort of I'm reminded of, of that verse in Ephesians, which is, "We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that He's prepared in advance for us to do." And as you say, you know, it'd be great if we can find that in our work. Not necessarily so, but we can, as it were, have that at the back of our minds that there is good work that He's called me to do. I mean, work is, I suppose, is if, if I think of this sort of post-COVID time as well, we've seen massive changes in, in the way that we work. You know, we're in front, of compute, in, fr- in front of computer screens a lot more. We're working from home. Many people are questioning, is the work that I'm doing really what I'm called to do? Should I be doing something else? What would you say to those people? Well, it's a really important question, isn't it? Because sometimes we fall into things along the way. We're just doing them because we're doing them. and And also... We work the way we do because we didn't think we had an option or we do the work we do because we didn't think uh, we could find anything else to do. Yes. So I think it's it's a good questioning. And as we question, I think one of the things to be thinking about is not only how does work fit into my wider life, Yes. which for many women has been a more of a question, if you like, for longer. You know, how do I integrate for whatever reasons to yes. do with the way that Western society has been constructed yes. for women, if you like. How, how do I integrate a desire, for example, to, to lead a company or build a company yes. with, a, with another desire which to, to bring up a family in particular kind of ways? So how do, how do I integrate yes. those with whatever my husband or partner might, yes. might also be wanting to do? So we, we understand the notion of how does work fit in with our wider lives? Yes. Does it bring us flourishing overall? Yes. You know, some people, because again of the way the economy works, are commuting three, four hours a day so that they can afford for them, they and their families to live in a reasonable house with a with a garden, but it's two hours away as a commute. Yes. So they're making these trade-offs. Yes, exactly. And, and I'm just thinking, you talked earlier on, in, in the book, you talk about work being a seven-letter word and the idea around service. And service to others and service to God. And what's fascinating, I think, in the book is well, you've got lots of stories of ways that people have integrated that. Because I think traditionally there's been that separation, my work life and my home life, my work life and my church or religious life. But I think if I can see how to integrate that together, I'm thinking of that quote from, uh, I think, Ray Kroc, who was founder of McDonald's. He said, I believe in God, family and business. And when I'm at work, I reverse the order. But that's quite a cynical way to live, I think, really. And yet I think what, thank God, it's Monday shows us is that God actually wants you to enjoy your work, to flourish in your work, so that you can be of service to others and so that you can grow. And I think, yeah, are there some stories or illustrations you, you can give us that, that really bring that to life? There, there are lots there. Yeah. There are. Um, well, let, let's take, a, let's take a, a job like a, a plumber. This isn't in the book. This is a this is a free one, but because uh, <laughs> right. I've just happened to have been talking to plumbers recently and oh, right. okay. yeah. got lots of plumber stories as it happens. Yes. So what does a plumber do? Well, a plumber at bad moments, the plumber rescues you. And so this guy Valerie, he's he's this big man, yeah. um, about six foot four. He's got broad shoulders and he's got this huge smile on his face. Yeah, yeah. And he comes in and he's always smiling. Yeah, yeah. And he he turns up and there's water running down the walls or water coming down the ceiling yeah. or whatever it might be. And people say, "Why are you smiling?" So, I'm smiling because now I'm here. It's going to be okay. So what does a plumber do? Wow. They don't just ensure a, a really good thing, which is that clean water comes in and dirty water goes out. He relieves your like, stress. He relieves, he relieves stress. He is a bringer of peace. Yeah. He's a bringer of security. Yes. Because a good plumber, which is something that Valerie does and also my friend Robert does, when they, when they come in to do one job, they just have a quick look around. 
not necessarily because they're looking for more work, mm. but because actually, well, I might as well just check that that's okay. Yeah. Because, and that brings more peace, more security yes. to people who might well worry, are my pipes going to burst? Why is that tap squeaking? Or, yes. you know, I haven't had my boiler service for 300 yes. years. Is it going to blow up? And yes. so on and so forth. So they bring peace. Yes. And a plumber comes in yes. and they develop a relationship of trust over time with, with yes. a family. So they, they bring a certain persona in. Yes. And even, even the emergency plumber goes into a place, or, yeah. you know, the one-off guy. Yes. I mean, Valerie went into one guy's house to install something. And he was looking around the room. And he noticed all this Star Wars paraphernalia. Right. So he says to this guy who's in his 70s, I think, he says, you know, wow, what's all this Star Wars stuff? What's the yes. story? He said, well, I designed the Stormtrooper. Oh, wow. You know, the design for the Stormtrooper. I you know, the white Stormtrooper. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there was a big one there. There it was. Wow. And then they're having this conversation. And then Valerie notices that there's sort of shadow passes over this man's face. Yes. And he says, what's wrong? And they develop this kind of, relationship of trust very quickly because that's the way it is with some people you trust them. yeah, some, yeah you very just, quickly yeah you can do that yeah and he said well actually i've i've been um, diagnosed with lung cancer so valerie says could i pray for you because yeah. god loves you so he prays for him so it's every work well not every workplace but yeah. many workplaces give you opportunities to do work that yes that brings a good which is peace security okay. health but also is an opportunity to bless somebody, to pray Praise for somebody, uh, yes. to treat them as a whole person. Yes. I remember one young woman saying to me that um, they had a decorator in once um, in their home. She was about 19 at the time, and her parents were going through a really, really rough patch. She was 19 when I talked to her. This yeah. was when she was about 15. And she said the decorator, when he came in to do the decorating in the house, yes. was like a lifeline because, you know, they would chat and he would you know, be warm and encouraging and all that kind of stuff. Not that he necessarily knew, but she knew. Yes. And so you're a presence in a place only for a moment. Well, if that's the case for a plumber yeah. or a decorator or a tradesperson mm. or a post person who you don't see very often, how much more so can somebody say in an office where you develop a relationship with somebody over time? Yes. Not only do work that serves the community. Yes. But actually minister you know love the people yes so what i'm hearing you saying i think is that that there is the service that we do that actually like the plumbing or the as it were the wallpapering or whatever the diy work that, that's that's done and then there's coming as a whole person yeah and bringing the whole person to your work not just the job actually i'm, I'm reminded actually of, of um in the book dancing with wisdom it's, it's dedicated to a friend of mine um, bunty abhishek Banerjee, who died suddenly mm. he was my um tech guy when I, when I was sort of in church leadership as well. It always used to amaze me because whenever something would go wrong with the technology of the computer, he introduced me to what were in those days, iPods and MP3 players. They were all new things at that yeah. time. If that technology wasn't working, I, know I, I would put my hand in my head in my hands and I'd think, oh no, this is not doing what I want it to do. And I always remember he would, he, he would look at this and it wasn't doing what it's supposed to and he'd say, that's really amazing. That's wonderful. His eyes lit up because it wasn't doing what it's supposed to be doing. And there was something within him that was galvanized that says, I want to find out why, why it's not doing that. And that's going to be great because then I can serve and I can solve that problem. Mm. And it was, it was just wonderful to see. And, he, you know, he was a huge blessing to us uh, within our church community in terms of solving technical problems because it just it gave him life and joy and meaning. And it was just wonderful. to see. I mean, 
It's this thinking back in hindsight, looking at that was how God was using him at that time. Well, I think that's right. And I think even if you take something like housework, yes. okay, so housework is demeaned yes, um, by, society, you know, yes. by society in general. You know, it's, it's yes. just that stuff that somebody does. Well, when you look at the way that God works, say, you know, mm. the way that he, we see him working at the beginning in, in the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, yes. Um, we, yes. we're told he creates. And then what does he do? He brings order out of yeah, chaos. Chaos, chaos. Well, what does housework do? Well, sometimes it brings order out of chaos. Absolutely, says, yes. You know, he provides, it creates a context in which provision is made for people's needs. Well, what does housework do? Yes. Either does that in terms of here's a bed you can sleep in, yes. here's, here's a clean basin that you can wash your hands in, here's food that you can eat and so on, you provide. Yes. God's work brings joy. Apparently yes. Eden was beautiful and it was lovely to look at. You know, housework brings joy because actually a tidy yeah. room I hear it's a more yes. joyous thing to work in than an yes. untidy room. Yes, um, God's work brings beauty, and again, housework, you know, yes. can does that, doesn't it? it and makes... so it is the mindset that you've got within it. It's it's the way that you look at your work. You know, I think is it um, is it Mother Teresa or somebody who says is that we we can't do great things, but we can do small things with great love. Yes, it's, it's, it's that. Well, I think that's also an aspect of it, isn't it? Which yes. is what what you see. When God creates Eden, which, yeah. which, which means in the original language Hebrew, means delight. So it's a garden of delight. Delights. yes. So he's love. So what's he trying to do? He's creating a place of delight, Light. of flourishing, of joy. Joy, joy. And, you know, there are workplaces. And, you know, for many seasons of my life, I've been in workplaces which, it's, I mean, I'm not saying they're perfect, but yeah. essentially they're a delight. Now, yeah. I know that's a privilege, but I think it's, it's not that uncommon, you know, they, you know, a workplace is meant to be a place where yes. you know delight, where, where you engage with people, where you get to serve and so on yes. and so forth. And so as disciples of Christ, that should be what we're aiming to bring. We're aiming to bring that light and joy and love into the workplace, which so often can be a place of negativity, cynicism, backbiting, backstabbing, all that kind of stuff. And, and to stand out and be different and to realize that actually I'm an ambassador called into this context, into this workplace, among many people who have no idea of God, no understanding of God, who have a very cynical and negative view of the world, I can actually bring some wholeness and goodness. That could be transformational. It can be. I mean, I would say, though, that, you know, there, there are some people who create fantastic workplaces who are good people who are not necessarily of faith. Yes. Oh, I yes, think, absolutely. No, no, you know, absolutely. You know, absolutely, I mean, I think, yeah. you know, John Lewis did fantastic work with his with his um, yes. with his staff, although you can see the Christian principles on which he was based, but he wasn't yeah. necessarily a person of faith. But I do think part of it is getting that that vision. Yes, and I think I think one of the interesting things today is how many of the kind of on-trend ideas can be traced back to the Bible. So, for example, yeah. you know the wisdom of servant leadership. Yeah. For example, servant leadership is all over if you like, the mainstream leadership material. Mm. How do I, as the leader, serve my people so they can give their best? Yes. Well, where does that come from? I mean, just very, the very phrase is, yes. you know, it, it comes out of an, it comes of, from Christ. Of, of the true servant comes leader. Out of, the true it comes servant out of leader. Jesus who yes. came to serve and not to be served. Yes. So I think, um, yeah, and, so, and so I see my work not just a way to make money, but I see my, my work as a way to serve others and to bring good into the world. And money is, as it were, a byproduct because it then enables me to do more good. Yeah, well, it also enables you to provide for the people and that you're the, concerned with. And, and also, I mean... Which is part of doing good. Yeah. It is part of doing good, but it also enables you to play badminton, for example. <laughs> yes. If that happens to be your sport, <laughs> which apparently it is. Um, <laughs> That's right. Or whatever it is that you like to do. Yeah. In other words, 
it's an enabler, a, a surplus. Yes. We need a surplus in order to be able to do those things which express other aspects of us. It's tough to learn to play the violin or the piano or the electric guitar without any resources. It does, yeah. And I suppose the other thing that work does as well is it matures and develops our character. It develops who we are. Because as we take that seriously, I think you talk about that in in the book, about the importance of of excellence. And I tell you what, the chapter that really challenged me in there was was the issue around integrity. And there's this lovely quote, I think at the beginning of the book, uh, someone quotes Spurgeon asking a cleaning lady, it is in in the 19th century, about whether she'd truly come to a true faith. And he asked her, you know, what, what's changed? And she said, well, now I sweep under the mats. Yeah, yeah. So this idea that, that actually God is interested in everything I'm doing and I can't pull the wool over his eyes. Yeah, I mean, it's that commitment to doing it well, yes. not just for the, if you like, for the human master, mm. in a sense for two reasons. One is because the work is worth doing well, and two, because she sees it as a service to God, something that would please him that it's done well because yes. it's worth it. It's yes. worth doing it well. Yes, and I just thought that the other question is, uh, I think it's that Martin Luther King quote, which is, you know, if you're called to be a road sweeper, then sweep the roads as Michelangelo painted paintings and Beethoven composed music. So the angels of heaven may say, here was a great road sweeper who, yeah, who worked as well as... It, it's, it's, that un- it's that, as it were, paradigm shift, to use a, a big word, in a sense that that shift of understanding of... My calling, because I think that's part of, as you were, living in wisdom, is that realization that my life and my work is much, much more than just what I see I'm doing in front of me. And it, it, you know, you gave the example yeah. of, of the housewife, but it's well, there's a lovely story, um, yeah, if you like, of of just one action by somebody that I've yeah. always remembered. Mm. There was a man called Michael Green who who's who died not so long ago, yeah. and he was um, he was he was actually a bishop, and he was you know he went around the world. He wrote many many books, and um, mm. he lived in the same town as my parents. My father was a dentist, right, yeah. and uh, he was his dentist. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. And yes. uh, yeah. he invited my mother. He and his wife invited my mother over for dinner one evening, and I I discovered this about ten years later. And I was obviously interested because yes. you know, since then I'd become a Christian, and my parents had invited one of the most famous yes. you know sort of. Christians, bishops in yeah. Britain for dinner. And, I was and like, who's famous for, as it were, really articulating the Christian message yeah. very clearly, very lucidly, yeah, very, really. very winsomely. Yeah. 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 And uh, so I asked them, you know, so what do you remember from your dinner with this, you know, brilliant communicator about the gospel? And I'm thinking some fantastic phrase. And <laughs> this, you know, did he bring up the subject of Jesus over the preprandial sherry or did he wait till you were sozzled or, you know, yeah, yeah. what was what was going on? And, and my mother, you know, it was a few later, she said, well, I remember how he carved the meat. <laughs> he did it with such dignity. Oh, and right. I thought, blimey, you know, what's going on here? Yeah. So anyway, so a few years later, I happened to go to a lecture by him and I waited in line and you know to ask say hello and I'd met him before and, yeah. and, and I said hello Michael my name's Mark Green you may know my pet, pet. and he, he did remember and yeah, so yeah. you know many years ago how are they and he asked all the questions and I said yeah. you know many years ago you you had my parents over for dinner yes and um, my mother remembers one thing oh yes yes what was that and I wonder what he was thinking you know what did he think that she remembered yeah, yeah. I said well she she remembered how you carved the meat <laughs> with such dignity. And he said, well, I suppose I would have done, wouldn't I? After all, the animal gave its life for me. Oh, <laughs> great insight. But it was how fast. In other it, words, it, it just, so deep, deep was his respect for this animal that God had created that, that had, in a sense, 
given its life that we might eat or they might eat it, mm. that he carved the flesh yes. in a particular way. You know, yes. so any action, in a sense, yes. can be done in a, in a way that speaks. Yes, and, and, and what you, I think you're talking about there, Michael, uh, Michael, Mark. Thank you. I, I, <laughs> I love being confused with Michael Green. <laughs> he sold more books than me. Is this sacred-secular divide? And there are sort of religious duties and there are non-religious duties. Yeah, yeah. And the religious ones are more holy and better than the non- non-religious ones. Yeah. And I suppose why I'm, why I'm so excited about, about it is not only because when you realise you can do everything with God, mm. then actually you're more conscious to invite God into everything because he wants to be part of it. Yes. But it also says to people, I think many people today are actually wanting to live a life of wisdom and purpose they yeah. want all of it to hang together and i think yes. that's particularly the case well for late teens and early 20s these days that they're, they're not content to go i'm going to live for the weekend yes i mean whether I... they are people of faith or not they're going i want to live a life of purpose yes, yes. i want it all to hang together and, and we've lost pres- that in our culture we, we we seem to have really lost that i think within the culture yeah. and what, what i would say is you know if you like jesus is saying is it does count. Yes. It all can count because yes. you're working with me yes. to create a better world, whatever you're doing. And that, I think, is, yes. is something that people need to hear. Yes. And I think that's, you know, we've really resonated with, thank God, it's, it's, it's Monday with, with the book. It's in its fifth edition. I think you said it's about 40,000 copies sold. What else, in a sense, would you hope that people would get from the book? or take away from it. I mean, you talked about this whole, this lack of this sacred secular divide, this fact that God is intimately interested in everything you're doing. He's got a purpose for you. Anything else? Well, I think the thing that's come to me recently is that when you're working with God, you're not working for a boss with a set of performance targets. Yes. You're working in grace. This God Mm. is with you. This God is kind. This God wants the best for you. You're not, wandering around thinking, oh my goodness, I made a mistake, isn't that terrible? Or, yes, he has a desire for excellence, but only he really gets to do perfection. Yeah. You know know what I mean? So it's not another burden. That's right, yeah. It's not another burden. I'm not pruning myself, I don't, yeah. And so we don't often, I think, in in the world, honestly, Mm. and, and because of the way partly we're educated, we're educated to, in a sense, we are evaluated by our results. And at one level, that's appropriate. You either got the equation right or you got it wrong Mm. and yes no you either kicked the ball in the goal or you kicked it over the bar it's either good and in a sense also with work so it becomes very easy to evaluate ourselves constantly by our performance yes and therefore think that our identity who we are is actually bound up with how good we might be at something yes and so i think that whilst jesus says work is really important don't make your identity based on that. It's, it's yeah. not your identity. It's yeah. not how you get right with God. God wants to be in it. It's important. It's valuable. But don't think, well, not only do I have to, to do this well to please my boss, now I have to get it right because I'm doing yeah. it for God. I have to get even righter. I have to, I yes. have to be, in a sense, more excellent than I am. That's right. And yeah, <laughs> which becomes, as it were, a stick to beat yourself with, really, because, yeah. Because when, you know, because you're a person of faith doesn't necessarily make you a, a better footballer. No. Your character right. might be stronger or it might not be, but it doesn't make you yes. a better footballer. It doesn't make you a better coder. It doesn't yeah. make you, no. per se, a more talented fine artist yes. or a 
in itself a better plumber. And I think that's that's the, that's the liberating truth, isn't it? Is that be who God intended you to be. Don't yeah. don't try and be somebody else because everybody else is taken. Yes. <laughs> in a sense, that's the truth. Yeah. There. And I think the other thing that comes with is that wisdom. In a sense, you have to get the order right. It's being, relating, then doing, and then ultimately one day leaving. Yeah. And if you can get that order right in understanding who you are in your identity, then in your relationships, and then do do the good works that he's called he's called you to do then I think it makes sense. Mark, thank you so much for writing this book. I do praise it. It's called Thank God It's Monday, Flourishing in Your Workplace. Yeah, if you haven't got it, I'd really encourage you to, to go out and get it. And, and, and the stories and, and your humour is amazing. I did enjoy your humour, some good jokes, but some deep, profound truths as well. And uh, thank you for blessing and encouraging us with that. Thank you. You've been listening to the Dancing with Wisdom podcast, presented by Sunil Raheja. For details on the Dancing with Wisdom book and its accompanying workbook, please visit drsunil.com. If you know someone who would enjoy this podcast, then please share it, give a thumbs up on YouTube, and help it grow by leaving a nice review. Life's challenges can diminish, define, or develop you. Which will it be? Make sure you hunger for the wise one. The choice is yours. <laughs>